I want you to keep your eyes on Jesus. Just ask him to continue to move in our midst. Ladies and gentlemen, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Psalm 118.24. And our teaching today is exactly what the Scripture says. This is the day that the Lord has made. And so let's take a look at it. There it is. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the great opportunity that we have to serve you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your patience. Now we thank you that your Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. And so, Lord, we pray, come, Holy Spirit, and speak to our hearts as we learn your word and help us to understand what you mean and how it applies to us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Have you ever had one of those days? You know what I mean, one of those days where, well, well, things just don't actually go real well for you. You may have had a bunch of them. You may have had what you think is a week of them or a month of them or maybe even a whole life of them, but I'm here to tell you that this is the day that the Lord has made. And we should rejoice in it. Now, you may not feel like rejoicing. I've got something I want to tell you. This is the day that the Lord has made. And we are called to rejoice in it. You may say, Pastor, you don't know how many troubles I have. I have something I want to tell you. This is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice in it I understand what it's like to go through troubles I remember preaching a funeral one time and a beloved member of the congregation had died we did it in a bar he had witnessed to people throughout this bar and so they decided to hold a funeral in the bar everybody there was getting soused I thought well this is gonna be great I'm going to preach and everybody will be drunk the only good thing is they seem to laugh at my jokes more. But as was occurring, I preached a sermon, and that day a number of people came to know Christ right in a bar as a result of that man's death. And I'm going to tell you he was in heaven going on the day of his funeral. This is the day that the Lord has made our rejoice and be glad in it. And so I was feeling pretty good. Until I walked outside, and just as I walked outside, I saw a tow truck towing my car away. Have you, have you ever had that experience? You parked somewhere. Well, it was in Baltimore City, and in Baltimore City, they clear the streets at 4 o'clock because rush hour is coming. And after I later found out, there's actually tow trucks waiting at 4.01 to take your car. And I walked out, and it was probably 4.04. And as I walked out, I saw that tow truck leaving. It had already hooked me up, and it was gone. And I was like, it didn't do any good. They were taking it to the city pound. And so I inquired as to where my car might be. They told me the other end down. So I got a cab, went down to the city junkyard, got down there, and I said, uh, my car was towed away, and so I need to pay to get it out. He said, that'll be $100. 
$100. My golly, $100 just to take it down here to the junkyard? I said, all right. And so I pulled out my, my wallet, I gave him my credit card, and I said, cash only. I'm like, cash only? What do you mean? Who carries $100 worth of cash around Baltimore City? <laughs> no, you don't do that sort of thing. And he's like, cash only. And I'm like, well, I don't have cash. Yeah, cash only. I feel for you. And I'm like, great. So I called up Dana, my wife, and I said, can you come get me? Well, I can't come, run, <laughs> can't come right away. You know, and I had to say to myself, Lord, you know, here, I'm trying to do your will. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do your will here. And, uh, you know, you, I mean, my car gets towed. I'm sitting here. Well, and of course, to make matters worse, then it began to rain. And it was one of those nice Baltimore days where it was 44 degrees and raining. Oh, it was glorious. This is why I live in Florida. <laughs> and so finally, I was able to get in my car. My wife got there. But I have to tell you, it was a little bit of a problem because I didn't realize this is the day that the Lord has made. See, the simple truth of the matter is whatever you emphasize will be important to you. And so if you have emphasis, then what will happen is your emphasis will, will center in your thinking. But when you emphasize the wrong thing, then what will happen is you can get all messed up even in talking. And so what you emphasize makes a big difference in how you think and how you perceive reality. And so I'm going to tell you a secret that you know already and that you just need to be reminded of. This is the day that the Lord has made. And the conclusion of this is that we will rejoice in it. And so what the Scriptures call us to do is to praise the Lord, to thank the Lord, and to give Him praise regardless of our situation. And you may say to me, you don't know my situation, but what I do know is that there's a God above every situation who has the power to change it, who can bring you through it, and I'm not saying for you to deny that you are in a situation. I'm saying that God is greater than the situation, and what you emphasize will be your reality, what you believe, and I'm going to tell you, as long as God is on His throne, and here's an answers prayer, I'm going to tell you that this is the day that the Lord has made. So what does it mean to actually believe that this is the day that the Lord has made? It means grab hold of the present, carpe diem. It means grab hold of today, because by the way, you may not know this, this is the day that the Lord has made, and it's His gift to you. Think of it this way, if I can do a play on words. The present is your present. And you may not know this, but the Bible actually says that He has not promised you tomorrow. Oh, Dr. Davis, you don't understand the word. Oh, well, let's look. Let's look at James 4, 13 through 15. It's going to say, don't even say what you're going to do tomorrow. Only say God willing. And the reason that it says that is so that you will keep focused on now. So that you won't get ahead of yourself. And the majority of people in the world, they either live in the past or in the future, and they're giving up the present for one of those two things. I know a gentleman who was in my Master Divinity course, and, and 
And he came completely unglued because someone asked him, he said, why are you here? And he started weeping and crying. He said, to please my mother. And somebody said, well, why don't you just go talk to her? She's been dead for five years. You see, he was living in the past. He was trying to please someone who was dead. Who there was no possibility of even pleasing. But he was caught up in the past. Some of you have lack of forgiveness. And Satan has strangled your present through your past. Some of you are not able to forgive yourselves. And Satan is strangling the present. And I absolutely believe that Satan's greatest strategy is to steal today so you'll lose tomorrow. So let me say it again. I believe his greatest strategy is to steal today so that you'll lose tomorrow. Because here's a secret. In order to get to tomorrow, you've got to go through what? Today. Why? This is the day that the Lord has made. John 10.10 10 says this. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And the way that he steals from you is to get you focused off of today. Because he knows this is the day that the Lord has made. And so he wants you to forget it, to get caught up in stuff, and to not live in the present. I'm going to tell you a secret. I have a lot of fun being a Christian. I'm sorry for those of you who aren't having fun. I'm having a great time. But one of the secrets is to live now. To not say what I'm going to do tomorrow. Who told you that you're going to be here tomorrow? Was it the Lord? I'm going to tell you if it's the Lord, it's only because He said so. He controls every single part of it. As a matter of fact, how concerned is God with the present? Did you know that His name as it is revealed to Moses in Exodus 3 is present tense? What do I mean? Well, there's lots of names for God, but when Moses says, what is your name? Here's the name that God gives him. I am. Don't you like that? I mean, if you were Moses, you'd throw off your shoes immediately if you heard that. What is your name? I am. Do you hear it? And even in the third person singular, which is actually the phase that it was talked, it's present tense. So God is so concerned about the present that in fact his name is present tense. Now, is God stuck in the present? Absolutely not. He's the Lord of the past, the Lord of the future. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. But I'm going to tell you, his name is the present. And he's in the present. And that's a clue that he wants you to be too. The absolute best way to live life is to live it now. How many people on their deathbed have said, boy, I wish I'd have done this. Boy, I wish I'd have done that. Boy, I wish I'd done that. Well, that's what we call remorse. And so there's a key. Live today as if it were your last. I don't know when the Lord is coming. I'm going to be honest with you. But what I knew, do know is that one day, Jesus will say to me, today, I want you to come meet me. I want you to come right here. I don't know when that day will be. But I know that one day it will be. So the best way is to live life as if this were the last day. And you say, well, no one can live like that. No one except heroes of the faith. Those are the people. You look at them and you admire them and you say, oh boy, I wish I could be like that. I'm going to tell you their secret. They live today. And they got all of they could out of it. Now, when I say that, do I think that they never did anything like relaxation or sip on lemonade? They're too holy to sip lemonade. 
Or they never actually laid in a hammock? No, I don't believe any of that stuff. But you know what? Some people can grab hold of God more in one day than people do in a lifetime. And that's what you want to be. You want to be that type of person that grabs hold of today. Why? Because this is the day that the Lord has made. And I will rejoice in it. And I'm going to give you some homework since I'm a professor. I want you to say this phrase one time per day this week. And particularly where I want you to say it is when in fact you're struggling or having problems or it doesn't seem to go your way. And so if you have an argument with your spouse, you can say, this is the day that the Lord has made. And I will rejoice in it. If you have trouble at work, you can say to your boss under your breath, this is the day that the Lord has made. <laughs> I will rejoice and be glad in it. And so I want to tell you where we begin is this is the day. The second part of this is, did you hear it? That the Lord has made. You see, you're providentially placed. This is no accident. As a matter of fact, you may not even know this, but so far as even getting here, there was a 60% chance that your fertilized egg would never make it to the uterine wall. Do you know that? The fact that you're here, you've beaten the odds. And so I'm going to tell you that you have been placed here. You have been placed in the situations. And I'm going to, I'm going to raise a problem with many Pentecostals that I know. They give too much credit to the devil. I'm just going to be honest with you. Now, the last time I read the Bible, and maybe I read it wrong, I, it seemed like God was in control. Now, maybe, maybe that thing about Alpha and Omega, maybe what he meant to say is I'm the Alpha and one day I'll be the Omega. I don't think that's what he says. As a matter of fact, I know some of you have heard in your sojourns, I don't believe you heard it here, that in fact that the world has been given over to Satan because of man's sin. Well, I got good news for you. That, that's just not what the Bible says. Now you say, well, yes, it does, Dr. Davis. See, because when Jesus is being tempted by Satan, Satan offers him all the kingdoms of the world. Here's my first thought on that. Please don't start your theology with the father of lies. You know, if you're going to do theology, get it from the mouth of the Lord as opposed to the mouth of Satan. Just because Satan says it doesn't make it true. You better hope that that's not true. Let me just ask you a simple question. If Satan actually had power over this world, do you remember the scripture we just read, John 10, 10, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Do you think he'd even be here if he had the power over you at any point in your life? No, I, I'm asking you, think that through. If Satan hadn't even a second of power, why wouldn't he just take you out? I mean, why would he waste his time? Let, let's, let's just do it this way, mathematically. Why would he even take a chance? Why wouldn't he just take you out at your infancy? You could become a Christian. You have. And so I'm going to tell you, this is just not the way that Jesus saw it when he was walking the earth. I, I, I mean, think this through. When Jesus is walking by, what are the demons saying to him as he's going? Get off our property. This has been given over to Satan 
And so this is ours, and you need to leave. Does that anywhere in the Bible, do you, do you hear the demons saying that to Jesus? Can, can I tell you what they actually said? Here it is. Ah! <laughs> you, you see, I'm thinking that isn't, that isn't someone who owns the place. See, I, I'm just sort of thinking that that's just not what someone who owns the place says. You, you're, you're not going to, have you come to torment us? See, that's not what you're saying. You're, you're saying, uh-oh, boss is in town, and we got some trouble here. And so the Bible says, Psalm 24.1, it actually says it four times, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Let me say it one more time. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. You see, logically and biblically, it's not really possible that Satan would have any control because that would mean that God is not all-powerful. If God is omnipotent, all-powerful, then if, in fact, Satan has any control at all, then, in fact, God does not have all power. He's got partial power, some power, even majority power. But particularly for you, saint, you've been bought with the blood of Christ. And there's no possibility, none whatsoever, that Satan has power over you, unless you give it to him. But even when you give it to him, God is setting the limits as to what can happen and what can't happen. You want biblical reference? Job 1. The Scriptures teach God marked out what Satan could do and what he could not do. In fact, God says you may do this, but not that. So if you're calling the shots, I'm thinking you're in control. And so I want to encourage you in your walk and your faith when it seems like Satan is just, just getting the best of you. This is the day that the Lord has made. And I want you to remember that the origin of this day comes from God. And there is not one day that ever occurs that God does not create it, that God does not watch over it, and that God does not align it into His plan and where it is going. Innate in the present is the past from which it has come and the future to which it is going. So who made it? Who owns it? God. And if you can believe that, then you can scale the highest mountains. Please don't give Satan any more power than he has. I can remember a story like this in my own family. I remember that I went skiing with my daughter Rachel and Dana and Vale. And I'm going to tell you, it's one of the things that, that I love to do. I like to ski because it pushes you right to the point where you think you're going to die. And, and it's fun to be able to push those limits. And you're like, that's the end. I'm not listening anymore to your sermon. But I remember Rachel was skiing with mom, and mom's a little bit more cautious than I. As a matter of fact, we make a good team. I'm ready to jump off the cliff. 
And she says, is there anything below? And I'm going to tell you, Rachel was skiing with her, and I was watching Rachel, and I said, Rachel, I, I think you're a good enough skier that you could ski the black diamonds. And she said, are you sure? And I said, I know you can. And she said, well, I'll go up then. I'll, I'll try it. And I said, okay. And so we got on the lift going up to the diamonds, and I could see that she was a little apprehensive, a little scared. She, she thought she was going to die. But to make matters worse, after we got off the lift, there's this big sign here. Only expert skiers allowed. Skiing on this mountain could be harmful or fatal. And so we got off and she looked up at me as if to say, well, well, I don't think I can do this. And I said, honey, I know you can. And she said, are you sure, Dad? And I said, there's no doubt in my mind. And she looked up at me and in the most serious voice she had, she said, promise me you won't get mad if I cry. And I said, I will not get mad, but I will have to leave you. <laughs> I didn't say that. I said, you'll be all right. Well, we started to go down this mountain, and if you know anything about skiing, the more treacherous it is, the steeper the decline and the more moguls there are, meaning little bumps that you have to go around. And so we began to ski, and, and I watched her, and she was very, very tentative for about the first, oh, probably the first 10 minutes of the, of the run. And then about midway down, she started to enjoy herself. And she started to ski. And she started to ski as if she wasn't going to fall. And by the time we were done, I just watched in amazement at how good a skier she was. And we finally went down to the bottom of the mountain and, and I said to her, Rachel, you, you did great. And she said, yeah. I said, how'd you do it? And she said, well, about midway through, I thought to myself, I know my dad. And my dad would never take me somewhere that would hurt me. And I knew that you would not place me in this situation unless you believed that I could do it. And so I began to believe that I could do this mountain. Do you have any mountains in your life? Your father believes in you or he would have never placed you here. And the fact that he's placed you here means that he believes in you. This is no accident. The Lord has placed you right here. 
and all of life is revelational, he's hoping that you will get the lesson that he is trying to teach you. Did you notice that he took the Israelite through the longest route as opposed to the shortest route according to the Scriptures? And he said, I did this purposely so that you would learn that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God, meaning it's safe to trust what I've told you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this this day. Not tomorrow. Stop thinking about tomorrow. Think about today. This. This. This is the day that the Lord has made. Therefore, the last part of our Scripture says, we will rejoice and be glad in it. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything you do give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. And what would happen? I want you to think for just one second. What would happen to our world if every single day believers started off by saying this is the day that God has made, even if it's a Monday, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice in it. Now let's be honest. Anybody can praise the Lord when everything's going good. But where you make your medal, form who you are in your identity in Christ, and empower yourself is in those valleys and in that desert where you learn to trust the Lord. It is only then that you will be led into the promised land, that you will be able to grab hold of the inheritance that God has for you. Now I'm going to ask our worship team if they'll come on up. And I want to tell you one more time. This is a day that the Lord has made. And I will be glad and worship. I will be glad and give thanks to you, Lord. I will be glad and realize that you're in charge. I will be glad and claim today as God's present to me. Is this something for this week that you feel like you can do? That every day this week, and you can start right now, turn to somebody next to you and say these words. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Now some of you didn't say it because you don't believe it. So I'm going to give you one more chance. Not because you're feeling it, but because God's words, God's words says it. It's more real than even your feelings. Turn to somebody again and say it as if you believe it. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad 
in it. All right, yeah, you can go ahead and give the Lord a round of applause. It's such a simple lesson, isn't it? But isn't it true that some of the most profound things are simple? My wife says that about me. She doesn't, I'm just joking. But it's simple yet profound. You gotta go through today to get to tomorrow. And if you have trust that your father will take care of you, well, nothing is impossible. You know, not only is this the day that the Lord has made, this is your day. And what makes scriptures powerful is not believing them just as a concept, but grabbing hold of them and say, this is mine. This is, I'm going to believe this and I'm going to live it. And I can remember with one of my other daughters, there came a time when she started to, to grow and get bigger which is the way you want it, actually. I, I think that's the way this is supposed to work. But what occurred is uh, we played this game in my house. We, it was called Superman. And uh, my kids would get at the back of our hallway, and there was like five steps about like this, and they would get a running start, and then they would hit it and jump, and, and they'd jump out, and they would pretend they're Superman or Superwoman, and, and I would catch them. Well, this game works really well when you're this high. But it, it really doesn't work well when you get a little taller. And, and my daughter hit a growth spurt, and she just shot up. And so I, I sat her down, and I said, uh, Catherine, um, we're, we're, we're not going to be able to play Superman anymore. And she was really disappointed. She put her head down, and I said, I'm sorry, but... Uh, You've gotten a lot taller. And I could see she was really disappointed. And I said, you know, honey, I, I love you, but I really want to survive. <laughs> and uh, she just walked away. Well, the rest of the kids, Rachel and Matt, they kept playing, and she was a little disappointed. And she could see the fun that they were having leaping into their father's arms. Well, anyway, one day I was walking by the steps, and out of the corner of my eye, who should I see? Yeah, it was her. And she had this little impish look on her face. She was smiling. And she got to the back of the step, and I saw her, and I said, No, Catherine, don't. But having raised in child in strict obedience, she didn't pay attention. <laughs> and she got a running start, and, and, and with that extra leg power that she had as a result of her growth, she hit that last step, and she leaped out into space. And as she was flying by, I thought to myself, there's no way that I'm going to catch her. It's this physics things. Velocity and mass equals my death. 
And so I thought, you know, I'm going to be pancaked right here by my daughter. And so as she's going by, I, I, literally I'm seeing her and I reach up and I grab her and I, I miraculously bring her down and I put her on the ground and I go, what in the world were you thinking? And she smiled. And I said, what are you smiling about? And she said, I knew you would catch me. And I'm thinking, I didn't know I would catch you. How did you know that I would catch you? And she looked up at me and smiled. You know what she said? I knew you'd catch me. Because you love me. You have a God in heaven who went through the cross to catch you. And he knew that you would leave places that you ought not to go, but he left too. To the point that he never wants to let you go. And if you will leap into his arms, I promise you, it will not only be a day that the Lord has made, but it will be your day when you discover just how much God loves you. So ladies and gentlemen, Please stand to your feet. And please close your eyes. We will pray for you at the end, but if you've never made that leap, I would like you to take that leap today. Is there anybody here who says, I want to take that leap? I want to give my heart to Christ and become a believer in Christ. Are you ready to take the greatest leap of your life? Will you raise your hand right now if you are ready to take that leap? that this will be your day. The Lord is tugging on your heart, asking you to call upon Him now to come into His arms and to hear, I love you. You may have fallen away. You may have sinned and you think you'd never be able to come back. But he's here for you.
Ladies and gentlemen, you can open your eyes. At the end of our service, I'll be over here with my wife praying. But I have one more thing that I want to say to you, and then I'll turn the service back over to Barry. Here it is. This is the day that the Lord himself has made. And I will rejoice and be glad in it.